actually been two weeks. Last week we had some issues, so no show on Wednesday. Brett Ciancia back with his Pick 6 previews. Let you know how you can get all his content, which is very detailed, covering the P5. Now that the Pac-12 is actually playing better ball, I think we can call it a P5. Remember, we eliminated that. It was a P4, but he covers the P5. And, Brett, your thoughts right out of the gate here on Alabama hiring coordinators Tommy Rees and Kevin Steele. Hey, good morning, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, we got through early signing day, and uh, here we are on Super Bowl week. So, yeah, Alabama, um, the, the coordinator carousel continues here uh, with Tommy Reese. I think you have a young offensive mind. Um, you know, he was dealt some limitations at Notre Dame this year via injury and, and some roster limitations. They were thin at receiver, got even thinner with some injuries. Uh, obviously, their quarterback, Tyler Buckner, got knocked out after two games. Um, so even despite all of that, it was a strong offensive line, and they really used uh, Mayer, the tight end, uh, rode him all the way to All-American status. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a great uh, young offensive mind. Um, I think he'll, he'll do well with all the pieces of, uh, you know, all the All-American caliber players they have at Bama. And with Kevin Steele, he's kind of the complete opposite in terms of experience level. I mean, he's been all over the place as a coordinator, a head coach, uh, a multi-time Broyles Award, um, Broyles Award candidate. I think he might have won it a few times, too. It goes to the top coordinator in the country. Um, you know, continued to build great offenses right across the way there at Auburn. So, um bringing him in. Uh, he's one of the top defensive minds in the game, too. So looks like uh, two great hires again. The, the rich get richer at Alabama. Brett Ciancia with us. Just had a question from Shannon in South Bend. They've got to replace Tommy Rees, who's obviously Mr. Notre Dame quarterback there. And I was just thinking, though, and we'll get into how quiet it is about who they're targeting for the offensive coordinator position, which which is customary. You want it to be quiet if you're doing the search. But I was driving yesterday just thinking about that gig. Tommy Reed's going to Alabama, which is a brand move, right? I mean, he's going because it improves his brand. And if he does well there, which he should, you have everything in place to do well, he'll be a head coach. But he can return someday possibly to be the Notre Dame head coach if it works out. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Um, yeah, you go to Alabama to not only contend for national titles, but it's to learn from the best program builder we've seen in our generation here, Nick Saban. So it's this valuable coaching, uh, you know, coaching career advice there, uh, learning from the best. Um, and then, yeah, you're right that that usually springboards into a head coaching job. I mean, how often it's almost every single offseason we see um, an Alabama coordinator get hired as a head coach somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the worst thing if he goes there and uh, puts some great offenses together, gets hired as a head coach somewhere, gets to learn on the job as a head coach, refine his talent as a head coach before coming home uh, to, to Notre Dame to take over. So that's a great point, and um, I would never rule that out. He's a Notre Dame guy through and through, a former quarterback. Uh, they love him there. So, yeah, it's just uh, he's a young guy. you got to remember how young some of these coordinators are. So he's got a long career ahead of him, hopefully. Has been quiet, though. I, I've seen various names thrown out there like Joe Moorhead and others, and I don't even know if there's anything realistic about that, but it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, very quiet. The Notre Dame offensive coordinator job is one of the most prestigious out there when you think of it. Um, so you're going to see some former head coaches come in there, uh, former big-time names. I mean, probably some NFL names, too. Um, so, yeah, there's – 
you know, it might not come out until someone's hired, but once we start to see the leaks on who was actually interviewed, it'll be pretty impressive, uh, especially when you consider Notre Dame as a defensive head coach uh, with Marcus Freeman. So it gives a little bit more leeway to the offensive guy, you know. Uh, you're not coming in having to run someone else's offense or have to have somebody else call the plays. Uh, at a defensive first program right now that, that Freeman has, you're the guy on offense. You know, you're coming in bringing your style, your commits, your players, uh, your play caller. So, um, very desirable job there for sure. Todd Modkin came up earlier. He has flirted some with what Tampa Bay, the Ravens, whoever. Do you think this is the year he jumps? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know really where his head's at. I mean, that's a personal deal with him. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he would leave Georgia, to be honest. Now, I'm very biased. Um, I'm sitting here. I love college football. Um, I'm, I'm viewing Georgia as a dynasty about to break through. You know, they just won back-to-back. Um, given the way they recruit, I don't see why they'd be knocked out of the playoff hunt anytime soon. So, um, you know, that's just me. I would say you know, contend for titles in college. But some guys have the urge to go try the NFL and then uh, have the urge to become a head coach. So, um, and he's definitely, you know, definitely deserved uh, those accolades and those opportunities based on how he fixed Georgia's offense. So, um, definitely deserving candidate. But I wonder, uh, you know, you're leaving a perfect, perfectly well-oiled machine that they just built. So, uh, I'd like to see a couple more years there. Name, image, likeness, not necessarily on your A list of things you have to pursue in your job. But I'm sure you saw the Andy Staples story about 500000 up front, two to 300000 a month all the way through your senior year. Very little work needed to be done, maybe a couple of Instagram posts, maybe a couple of fan signing sessions, things like that. Now, obviously, he never got any money, and they had the right to terminate it, which they did. But when you read that, what did you think? No, quite honestly, I didn't read that one. I missed that one, um, so I'll, I'll go back and find it. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, the NIL thing, It's it just seems to be evolving month to month, year to year. Um, we'll start to see more of these stories uncovered. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the big move this signing class, though, it, it was kind of how Nick Saban was putting it. He was saying NFL over NIL. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they have some nice NIL deals, too, in Tuscaloosa. But uh, he's trying to paint the picture of, hey, come here. Um, contend for titles, become the best athlete you can, the best football player you can, and set yourself up to be a first rounder in the NFL because that's a lifetime of uh, that's a you know a lifetime of earnings and and career uh, compared to you know maybe some short term short dollar figures uh, doing a commercial here or there or, or an autograph signing. So um, I think that you saw more NIL stuff um, you know sway the recruiting rankings last cycle where you saw A and M put together a, a historic class and that was mostly NIL driven. Um, this time around, I think you saw a bounce back to, hey, who's going to develop me? Who, who can I win titles with? Uh, who can set me up for a 20-year or 15-year NFL career? And you saw the, the cream rise to the top. It was Bama and Georgia yet again. So uh, we'll see if that trend continues or if they keep, they'll keep refining NIL. And, um, you know, it's, it's evolving. Had a question posed to me yesterday about Texas and Oklahoma. Obviously, they're coming to the SEC There's been some discussions on and off through the months, I guess we could say through the year plus, about them coming early. But nothing ever settled there. If nothing gets done, they come to the SEC in 2025. Do you think anything could happen 
that would accelerate their entrance into the SEC? Well, I think we've already crossed that bridge. I think behind the scenes they were trying to, to work on that the last couple, I guess, couple of years now it's been. But um, when that came out, it sounded to me that they weren't able to strike any kind of early exit deal or any kind of payout. Um, so it looks like they're staying two more years. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a really cool 14-team league. I know it, it's, it's kind of a tease because we only get two seasons of it. But, um, yeah, with the additions of Cincinnati and Houston and BYU – um, yeah, I'm really excited to see this conference, and they're going round robin again, uh, or I should say, no division again. So you're going to see a lot of cool matchups, and um, and yeah, I mean, let's see if they can make it three straight years where neither Oklahoma or Texas plays for the title. It's just pretty ironic. After Oklahoma and Texas are known as the blue blood programs, they bring the best recruits in, they make the most money, and uh, and they go ditch for the SEC. It's just funny how the last two years it's been non, you know, those two teams have been excluded from Dallas, and it's been Kansas State and Baylor uh, carrying the, the conference titles, and Oklahoma State was close, and TCU broke through to the national title with the conference's first playoff win. So I think the Big 12 is going to be fine with or without Oklahoma and Texas, and I like that they doubled down on themselves rather than being picked apart in the, in the realignment circle. It is kind of interesting that, you go back to the summer of 2010 when it looked like they could lose Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma State. And we were even told on the show months ago that there was another school in there, which I still don't necessarily believe. But nonetheless, getting rated like that didn't lose those teams. I ended up losing A&M. But, and, and they're pretty stable right now. The Big 12 is in solid position at the moment yeah they really are and um it's a combination of a lot of factors i mean right away it's passionate fans uh they're usually not described in the same sense as the sec you know mega stadiums and 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 passionate bases but you talk to any big 12 fans and listen to some of their shows their podcasts these are very passionate fans i mean they fill out their stadiums whether it be football or basketball or baseball um they love it so uh that's one so you have the fan passion out there uh, you have some history, too. I mean, they, they had some, some former titles down there. But, um, but more importantly, geography. I think that we lose sight of this in college sports, how important geography is, how important proximity is to these teams. I mean, you want to have some cross-town and cross-state rivals. It draws out fans. It makes it more intriguing. You know, you go to work, and the guy next to you went to the, the rival school, and it just, it, it just spurs a lot more excitement um, when you have a lot of teams within a conference within the same geography. So, um, yeah, it's Texas-based, of course, but then you have uh, just the Midwest feel. So uh, they doubled down on that. I love it. And then meanwhile, you see uh, you know, the old Big East was taken apart, and the ACC is really from, all the way from Boston to Miami. Uh, you start to lose some of that. So um, I think, they, uh, yeah, they're going to be pretty stable and successful going forward. Signing day or the signing period, it's really – that's a misnomer. It's not a signing day. It's a signing period. But that was last Wednesday when we did not have a show. It's really and, – and that day, Brett, I didn't even look. It, there, really nothing happened. It's, it's not really even a functional day anymore. Yeah, what a shame. It used to be one of the biggest college football holidays. I remember for years t- tuning into your show specifically as my, uh, as my signing day stopping point. But, um, yeah, I think that the big one now is December, as much as we hate it. But uh, I think the number was that by, by the time that the February signing day came around, 97% of the top 300 prospects. I mean, almost all the five stars, all the four stars were committed. So, uh, yeah, it didn't have as much drama, but I was still tracking. 
Uh, you had some pretty special classes put together. I know Alabama took home the, the overall title again, but you can find some gems all over the place. Uh, teams like Utah and Kansas State, they rode their conference titles all the way to 20-year highs in recruiting. And I think at both of these, that's a, a school record, actually, with Utah in the top 20, Kansas State there in the top 30. Um, TCU, similar, a, a, a top 20, uh, or I'm sorry, a high mark the last 20 years for them. Um, you know, you see Hugh Freeze drawing a top 20 class at Auburn as a new time head coach. So, um, yeah, a lot of special classes. Texas Tech, I mean, when's the last time you saw Texas Tech in the top 25 in recruiting? But Joey McGuire, uh, all his high school connections down in Texas really uh, hitting home. So, I mean, we could do a whole separate show just on signing classes. I, I was really intrigued, and um, it was fun to follow. What are you doing as far as prepping? Are you already into your leagues? Yeah, so I start out um, with looking at new coaches. I mean, these are the, the most exciting ones to me, seeing the new energy coming in and seeing what went wrong with the last regime. And uh, So there's two specifically I started looking at this week, and it's, it's got the same theme. It's the welcome home theme uh, with, Brian, uh, with Jeff Brom coming home to Louisville from Purdue and then Kenny Dillingham, the, the Arizona State native, coming home to take over uh, the Sun Devils. And, um, and I guess real quick on each, Dillingham, a, a young 32-year-old, the youngest in Power 5, to become a head coach. We had a very emotional press conference, talked about having the whole valley behind him, wanting to, to rally the whole you know, region and fan base behind him. Uh, and it only took till the third question. A guy stood up and must have been a big-time booster. He says he's pledging a million dollars right then and there to the, uh, the Sun Devil Collective and place erupted in, in applause. And so it sounds like he's motivating the base. That, that, that's important and making it more about Arizona. Uh, and then with Louisville, yeah, a lot of passion there from fans. They've been wanting Jeff Brown to come home for three, five years now. So finally worked, and he's come fresh off a Big Ten West title and uh, is bringing in a lot of his old Louisville guys. So it's kind of a homecoming there too. So uh, these are two excited uh, fan bases, I can tell you that. Tell everybody how they can get all your info. Thanks. It's pick6previews.com for the annual season preview book coming out in July. Uh, until then, pick 6 previews on Twitter. Good stuff, man. See you next week. Thanks, Bill. Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews, does a fantastic job. No 